All right, church, one more time. Could you help me welcome all of those who are joining us online this morning and all of our brothers and sisters that are and that will be in the Eunice Correctional Facilities. We love you guys. We're honored that you would take the time to join us online, even though you may not be able to be with us in person this morning. I've got a series scripture. This will be the last week that I share it. The first one is really only six words. I hope that you've learned it at this point. It can be found in Luke chapter 21, verse 19. It says, by your patience, possess your soul. By your patience, possess your soul. Matthew 24 says it this way, those who endure till the end shall be saved. I was on the friend, uh, on the friend, I was on the phone yesterday with a friend, um, and, and, and this person was, was telling me, happy birthday, I can't pick on my wife for being older than me anymore, we're the same age again. It's my favorite 11 days of the year, every year, that I get to tell her that she's older than me, that she's that at that point one year older than me. I tell a lot of people that just randomly, I'll walk up and say, hey, did you know my wife's older than me? Yeah, it's true, she's 34, I'm only 33, and now we're back the same again. But I was on the phone with one of my friends yesterday, and, and he was telling me about going to the park with his, uh, with his children, but it was one of those like indoor obstacle course parks like the Ninja Warrior, he said. It was like a Ninja Warrior. And he said, man, I, I messed up my finger. I hurt my shoulder. Like I'm going to learn one of these days to just pay for the kids to play instead of paying to play with the kids, you know? And I said, hey, bro, wh- wh- at what point did you think there was still some ninja in you? <laughs> like, my friend, you are about 10 years past ninja. You need to put that down. And, and so I thought of that and, I, and the, you know, this old body It's not going to last in this lifetime. The Lord said, it's actually not good for my spirit to dwell any longer with the body of man. But how many of you are thankful that even though the body is perishing, the soul and the spirit can be growing stronger? That in his... It, by, by patience, I have the ability to not grow weaker in my heart, but to grow stronger in my heart. Verse 36 says, watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. All these things to escape. When you endure, you can escape. That will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. See, I want to take my life and I want to bow before the Son of Man now so that I can stand before the Son of Man then. I want to practice my preparation for spending eternity with Jesus because we will spend eternity somewhere. Now, in this series called The End, we've, we've spent a lot of time on um, the fact that this life will, uh, that there is life after death or there is death after death. And, and specifically last week, we gave a message just completely devoted to hell. I've never preached an entire message completely devoted to hell before. And to be totally honest, I kind of cheated it last week. I couldn't, I just couldn't stay on hell. I had to go back to what was actually prepared for us. The reality is that our last breath in this life is our last chance in the next. 
In fact, that's why Jesus talked about hell so often. It's why he talked about the kingdom and eternity and life beyond death so often is because it was not his will that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. It is not Jesus's will for you to go to hell. It's not God's will for you to suffer his wrath that's going to come to pass in the tribulation, in the last days. It is God's will for you to experience the freedom that Jesus purchased on the cross. In fact, Jesus endured so that we could escape. He paid the price for our life so that we could have life in Him. That's His desire. And this is where we ended last week. This is where I kind of cheated the message that I said I had totally devoted to, to preaching on the realities of hell and last week I shared this, that, that Jesus did not prepare hell for us. He did not prepare, prepare hell for us. But He is preparing heaven for us. That's a healthy promise. I'm kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, my wife calls me morbid. I don't really feel like that's the right word, but that's the one that she uses. Um, I, I, if I go to a funeral and I know that the person whether I'm preaching the funeral or attending the funeral, I know that, that that person was in the right place with Jesus, that they had given them uh, their heart, that, that he was Lord of their life. And, and I'm pretty confident based on the fruit of their life and the testimony that they have, because the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart and that you will be saved. And then James says it's, it's by your, actually, your, your faith is represented in your works. You can see how a person, what re- a person really believes in their behavior. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm believing that with that person and I'm looking at that and I'm going, man, um, I kind of envy that person a little bit. Like, they don't have to do this anymore. Kind of like when I was a freshman and I would watch the seniors graduate. I was like, man, they're so lucky. <laughs> that's, that's how I kind of feel about getting older. I'm like, they're like, how old are you? 34. I'll be 40 in like six years. I'm excited about it. Like, you excited about getting older? Yeah, because every day is one day closer. Like, I got a nana, a daddy. I got a future in heaven that's going to be way better than working here. I'm going to endure all along the way and enjoy the journey while I'm here. I'm going to win as many people as I can. But how many of you are thankful that there's life after death? There's more to this thing than just having to endure and survive. I can thrive and embrace God's will, not just for this life, but for all eternity. Okay, I want to give you a timeline this morning. This is a crash course timeline. I'm going to go really quickly, okay? And if if you can't keep up, it's okay. We'll give you the notes. All you have to do is email us at info at unischurch.com. I can send this to Miss Debbie. She can send it out to you. Here is a last day's timeline, quickly. Crash course, last day's timeline. Okay, we'll go over this again, by the way, in Next Steps in August. You can begin signing up now. We'll have Next Steps in August. This is what we do in the first class. We go over some doctrine, and this is part of that step. I said class. Shame on me. Um, step. The first step, I believe, we believe, is going to be the, the rapture of the church. Okay, listen, you don't have to believe that this is when this happens to go to church here. 
But we believe that this is when this happens. And again, if you come on Wednesday nights, we're getting towards the end of the book of Daniel right now. It's about to change from corrective and right living into some prophetic end time stuff. And at the end of that, I'm going to explain on Wednesday night why I personally believe, why actually we as a fellowship believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the church that the saints of God will be caught up in the air before the tribulation occurs but I will confess I don't want you to turn the camera off maybe just if you're in our district office just hit pause for a second okay Um, I will confess that I can be convinced in a mid-tribulation rapture I I can be according to scripture and actually even how things are kind of laid out you could convince me of a mid-tribulation rapture you cannot convince me of a post-tribulation rapture at this point in life I'm not saying you never could but I spent a lot of time the first few weeks explaining why I don't give a rip when I'm going but I care a whole lot about the fact that I am going I don't care when it takes place as long as I'm ready for what takes place, okay? And part of my preparation is me growing closer to God, meeting other people, and leading them to Him as I am in Him. So the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 52. You can write those scriptures down. You can look them up. The next thing, uh, and there's not a lot of discrepancy here. Um, I actually didn't know this, even though I was growing up in church. I didn't catch this one until uh, I really began to kind of dive into the studies of theology and, and, and figuring this out. But a, a pretty popular consensus here agrees that there is a judgment seat of Christ that takes place for the church, um, for the believers, that, that we don't just miss judgment because we received salvation. In fact, um, biblically, there's some explanation That we as a church will go before Jesus. And by the way, I want to be at that judgment. Okay, but here's what that judgment does. Is it makes, even though my actions may be right in Him, this judgment helps me keep my attitude right in Him. Because my works will go before Jesus at the judgment seat of Jesus. And He will judge me on how I used my time, my talent, and my treasure to win more people to Him. To glorify Him versus me glorifying myself. Okay? Storm outside feels good on the inside. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for finances and a non-leaky roof. Okay. After, when this is, this may all take place at the same time. And there's the scriptures. Romans 14, 10. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. I told you it's a crash course. You're going to have to come on Wednesdays to get the rest of this. The beginning of the tribulation. This is really important for me, Okay? The rapture of the church is not the beginning of the tribulation. Okay? Most scholars would agree. Again, this is not one of those things that there's a a lot of debate. There's always some debate when it comes to this stuff. But most scholars believe that that peace treaty between the Israeli nation, the nation of Israel, and the Palestinian state... Okay, between the Hebrews and the Muslims, that peace treaty that was prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, that is the beginning of the tribulation. And from that point, there will be three and a half years of peace on earth. Absolute peace. Like Christians aren't going to be slaughtered at a rate that they've never been slaughtered before. And we feel like there's peace in Western civilization. It's going to be actual peace for three and a half years. And then in the middle of that peace, okay, or 1260 days according to the book of Revelation, um, 
This is the 70th week that's prophesied in the book of Daniel. Okay? In the middle of that three and a half years, there's going to be something called the abomination of desolation. You can read about that in Matthew 24, Revelations 13. What that is, is the Antichrist, not a Antichrist. I know, I know a lot of individuals that have been accused of being the Antichrist. And just because they have a spirit that is Antichrist doesn't mean that they are the Antichrist. Okay, so don't give them that credit. You still have power and principalities over darkness. You, you don't have to be afraid of that. Your weapons of warfare are not carnal, but able to abolish strongholds. You don't have to be concerned about a, a specific person walking in the room. But this person, be it male or female, and most would agree that it was pro- it's probably going to be male, possibly going to be male. This person will stand in the temple of God and proclaim himself, herself to be God. Okay? Defy all the creation and ask to be worshipped. At that point, that peace treaty is going to be broken. And for the next three and a half years, everything that I described about hell is going to begin to take place on earth. The wrath of God, because His church will be removed, I truly believe. That's why I'm saying you cannot convince me of a post-tribulation rapture. The wrath of God, the bowls of judgment that you read about in the book of Revelation, will be poured out upon man and upon the earth. Unlike ever before, mankind and the earth will be judged. And you may say, um, Pastor Chris, what about that, the days of Noah when, when the, the water flooded the whole earth? Okay, water flooded the whole earth in, in, in the story of Jonah. Jonah, Noah. <laughs> in the story of, the thunder is messing me up, y'all. Uh, water covered the whole earth. Listen, that's going to feel like a, a, a baptism soothing bath compared to the fire that's going to cover the whole earth and cleanse the whole earth during the great tribulation, according to Matthew 24, 27, and, and Luke 21, 35. But here's the good news, okay? It's not all hellfire and brimstone. At the end of that three and a half years, just as the enemy is, is rising to the top, just as the Antichrist is at his helm, okay? Just as the kings and the kingdoms of this world think that they have won the victory, that is when the church will return with Jesus. And that's what you read about in that millennial reign. When Jesus comes back, I saw a rider on a white horse whose name was Faithful and True. His robe was drenched in blood. He had a golden sash. His eyes were like burning coals. And from his mouth came a double-edged sword that would pierce the nation. In an instant, Jesus is going to speak and Armageddon's going to be over. And we will rule and reign for 1,000 years on earth with Jesus. That is called the millennial reign of Christ. At the end of that thousand years, according to Scripture, again, the end of that thousand years, this is an interesting piece that most people uh, don't catch. Um, At the end of that thousand years, God will actually release Lucifer one more time to deceive the nations. So the Bible says, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. So Scripture says, only those who endure to the end. But listen, As long as you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about it. Okay? You don't have to be like, oh no, another chance to mess up. Ah, I thought I'd made it. Now I'm going to hell again. No. Okay? You you stay connected to Jesus. You continue to follow Him and, and you don't have anything to worry about. After that, 
okay, will be what we call the great white throne judgment. And that will be when God divides, divides the sheep from the goat. And, and I truly believe that we as a church will watch this take place. We will see people be judged by God. All of those who were in the holding place called hell will come and stand before Almighty God and they will be cast into an eternal lake of fire. Okay, And we will watch. And that's going to be a moment of detriment. That's why I say, don't come to church on Sunday and watch people go to hell on Monday. Take the time to serve and to share the gospel. Because if we don't share and serve now, we will watch them be cast into an eternal lake of fire and we will know that all we had to do was be obedient for God to move in their lives. But because we didn't listen, they didn't hear. And so they go to a place that wasn't created for them. After this great white throne judgment, I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's God. The Bible says he will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain and no more sorrows. And then God will establish the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. That is the last day's timeline. And just leave that up for a second. Why does, um, why does this matter? Or maybe even more importantly, what matters most about this timeline? Why did we take the time to have this series? Now, listen, I think all of it matters I mean, if it didn't matter, then God wouldn't have put it in there. Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. Like, I think it's all important, but, but what is the most important? What matters most about the last days and the end times? Matthew 24, verse 10. Then many will be offended. Have you ever lived in a generation that had a greater spirit of offense? I'm t- I mean, if you don't bring the right kind of citrus fruit to a table for somebody's water, they're ready to walk out of there and not pay their bill. We are the most offendable generation, I believe, that's ever existed. But here Jesus says, then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another, and many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Verse 12, because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold. Listen, I want to I want to actually give to you today that I don't I don't just see the love of many growing cold. I actually see us as a nation trying to redefine what love even really is. Where we say where where our nation's saying love wins, Jesus said love already won, baby. I define it. You don't get to redefine it. You don't get to redetermine it, and you don't get to make it what you think it is. I am love. I define love. But the love of many is not just growing cold in our nation. It's being redefined according to whatever we feel like we want it to be. And I'm telling you that that is a sign of the last days. That's a season that takes place. Verse 13, but, I love the buts in the Bible. I said, knew I shouldn't have said that. I was a youth pastor for too long. I'm sorry. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. If you just, if you just remain in Jesus, that's the only requirement. It's to develop the personal, powerful, and peaceful relationship that God wants you to develop with His Son. Let Him give you purpose and you achieve that. And this gospel, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end 
will come. Okay, now just leave this up here for a second because I truly believe, and I've been, I've been poking at you throughout this entire series, this is actually the culmination of why I even wanted to preach this series. I believe that this right here is what matters most about the last days. That the gospel of Jesus Christ would be preached to every tribe and every tongue. That the gospel of Jesus Christ would be shared with every individual, whether in the Bible Belt, and we just assume that they've heard it before, or in the areas of the world where 2.2 billion people are still yet to hear the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, this is what matters most. And a lot of us, and I'm not saying that there's any, anything wrong with studying. The scripture says, study to show thyself approved. But a lot of us spend more time trying to decipher what scripture means than we do discipling the meaning of scripture with other people. And we need to spend less time deciphering and more time discipling. We need to spend less time trying to fulfill to figure out which prophecy has been fulfilled and more time fulfilling prophecy because if we will share the gospel with every tribe and tongue, then we can know we're in the last days and the end will come. But God is gracious and he's patient. Start discipling more than we are deciphering. And by the way, discipling begins with discipline. You can't take somebody to a place that you don't go. And you can't give somebody something that you don't have. So in your life, discipleship has got to be the purpose or you will miss the ability to disciple others as Jesus said is the main purpose of the last days. John Maxwell, I like John Maxwell. If, if you've, I, what I like about him a lot is that if you, you just read one of his books and then you get the gist of all of them. It's amazing. You read one John Maxwell book and you get the principles of all the books in one. But he wrote one of the ones that really put him on the map um, in this leadership spectrum was called 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's a great book. Um, he actually... Uh, came out with a second edition, and, and this, this man named Michael Jr., uh, Michael Jr. is is hilarious, comedian, he's really tall, really dry, which I find extremely funny because I'm very sarcastic in, na in nature anyways. Michael Jr. was, was actually interviewing um, John Maxwell, and he said, so, Dr. Maxwell, you wrote the book, 21 Irrefutable Laws, of leadership. Is that right? And John Maxwell, well, yeah, I mean, he's, he's being interviewed by a comedian. He has to know he's about to be set up. And Michael Jr. says, and those are irrefutable laws, right? And he said, yeah, yeah, there, there, there were 21 irrefutable laws. And he said, but then you wrote a, a second edition and you changed two of the laws, correct? And John Maxwell said, yeah, yeah, we, we went back and revised those. And he said, so, so the first edition was, they weren't actually irrefutable is what your John Maxwell said well I guess uh yeah I guess I guess you could say they weren't necessarily irrefutable okay I'm going to give you just in this short hour that we have left 21 irrefutable facts about the return of Jesus Christ right now are you ready get ready to write real fast I'm kidding I only have seven 
But seven's a lot, so I had to set you up and then make you feel better about it, okay? I only have seven. I'm going to do it real quick. And by the way, um, I posted this on our Facebook page. You can go to Facebook. If you have a Facebook account, we can probably share it in other places as well. I posted the seven, the seven irrefutable laws or facts about Christ's return. And I just realized that I didn't put an apostrophe S for possession by Christ. So don't judge me for that. When you go on Facebook, I'll try to fix it in between services. But number one, number one, seven irrefutable facts. Number one, Jesus himself will come again, receive us, and minister to those who are found watchful. Now, I feel like if, if I would have just gone with Jesus himself will come again and receive us, that would have been number one. You'd be like, whoo, amen. But I think that last part kind of throws us off a little bit. So let me explain what it means to minister to those who are found watchful. John chapter 14, we read this last week in preparation. Verse 3, John 14, 3. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Okay, he will come again. He will receive us. So that you will always be with me where I am. Okay, now let's just very carefully. That for me uh, kind of breaks down any theology of, of us going to be with Jesus. And Jesus preparing holding places for us that prepare us to get to him. That kind of kills that theology right there. Because then Jesus is about to say, I go and prepare a place for you. Okay, Right here he says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you and you will be with me. You will be with me. You're not in a holding place until you get to the place that you're supposed to be. When I come and get you, you're going to be with me. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else that has to happen. You're in me. You're with me. Now Luke 12, 37 Luke 12, 37 says, The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them. He himself will seat them. And this, this version says, put on an apron. Okay, All right, that's not really probably the coolest translation. <laughs> Jesus is going to put on an apron and come see you. No, okay, that's not... <clears throat> this passage right here is comparable to John chapter 13. This is actually a comparable language, a word in the language. When the Bible says that Jesus got up from dinner, he girded himself with a towel and he washed the disciples' feet. Okay, you remember at the Last Supper when Jesus said, I will not eat of, the or eat of the bread or drink of the vine again until I do it with you in my kingdom? Okay, check this out. In the last days when Jesus returns, he is going to once again gird himself up. He is going to get ready for the bride to come home. He's going to make the preparation and we are going to have a meal with Jesus and each and every one of us individually who were found watchful for his return turn are going to be ministered to personally by the king of glory who has been waiting for that moment since he had the last supper in John chapter 18. He will minister to us when he comes and he gets us. There's nothing that we have to wait on. He will serve them as they sit and eat. Now listen, I don't know how you feel about drinking. Okay, but I'm telling you right now, at that party, 
I'm having a glass. And you can judge me all you want to. But I will also say, I'm waiting for that one to have my next one. Because that represented a part of my life that did not represent Jesus. Number two, He will return to earth in flaming fire with power and great glory. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, And God will provide rest for you who are being persecuted and also for us when the Lord Jesus appears from heaven. He will come with His mighty angels. That's why I want to be on His side. In flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey. Watch this. Not just agree with, but those who refuse to to obey, not just come to church on Sunday, but obey the good news of our Lord Jesus. Matthew 24, 30. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. Deep mourning because it's going to be a giant Uh uh-oh it'll be collaborative it will be loud it will be unified oh my jesus will shout across the earth there will be a mourning among all the peoples of the earth and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory number three he will destroy when he does that he will destroy the antichrist and sit on the throne Of his glory. Oh, hey, by the way, um, the Bible says that that we were created in his likeness and for his glory. So when Jesus comes to sit on the throne of his glory, he's sitting on the throne of the praises of his people. That's why for me, worship on Sunday morning is so important because we prepare a place for Jesus to come in and have us. I just wanted to put that out there for you. He will destroy the Antichrist and sit on the throne of the praises of his people, his glory. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But told you I love. Yeah. But the Lord Jesus will kill him, not with a sword, not with a great battle. With the breath of his mouth, he'll speak and the battle will be over. Hey, listen, what he can do in the last days, he can do today. If you have a battle going on in your life, come on somebody. If you've got a situation or a circumstance that's hindering you or holding you back, all you need is one word from Jesus and the enemy will be held captive and you can be set free. You just need one revelation that came from something bigger than yourself and you can walk in what God desires to give you. Just one word with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit upon His glorious throne. Number four. See, these are fast. That's not that bad. He will be given the nations. He will gather the nations. And He will judge the nations. Okay? It's a biblical interpretation. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Only ask, this is a prophecy to the Messiah, only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Matthew 25, 32, all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep 
from the goats. He will be given the nations. He will gather the nations. He will judge the nations. Number five, he will reign over all the earth. Okay? You won't come into contact with anyone or anything that Jesus doesn't have absolute dominion over. Hey, by the way, what he does in the last days, <laughs> he can do today. You can come into contact with no one and nothing that Jesus does not have dominion over right now, tomorrow, Tuesday, in your workplace, in your house, in your marriage, in your friendships. I'm telling you, there is nothing that is not subject to Him when you give Him that right in your life. He will reign over all the earth. Revelation 11:15. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever. Number six. Everyone will see and worship Jesus. Again, let me just submit to you today that we can choose to see and worship Jesus now. Or He will choose that we see and worship Him then. This is why the last days and the end time messages are so important. Because it's God's will that you would discover the personal relationship that He paid for now so that you do not wish that you would have when you have to stand before Him. Everyone will see and worship Him. John 5, 28. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. Revelation 1-7, look, He comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him, even those who He died for but did not receive His sacrifice, who did not put their faith in Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, and amen. Praise God. What a beautiful passage that is. I don't know why that's there, honestly. But okay, Isaiah 45, verse 22. Let all the world look to me for salvation. This is a prophecy of the Messiah. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth. I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to me. Okay, now 800 years later, Paul has a divine echo of this passage spoken by the prophet Isaiah in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, talking about Jesus. He said, Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God. And by the way, if he had to do it, then so do we. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Whether you're Lazarus in Abraham's bosom or you're the rich man in the pit of Hades, every knee will bow in heaven and on the earth and below. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So again, again, do it now by choice so that you don't have to do it then by consequence. You get to do it then. Instead of having to do it. Number seven. An irrefutable, remember, irrefutable characteristic, if you will, or traits of Christ's coming. Number seven. We can hasten His coming. We, the church, can hasten His coming. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11. This is the English Standard Version. I'll go back to the New Living in just a second. Verse 11 says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Okay? Since all these things are going to happen, all these things that we've been talking about for the last four weeks, since all of these things are going to happen, Peter says, what sort of people should you be in lives of holiness and godliness? Because this is going to happen. Why don't you take the time now to discover who you can be in Christ and what he's called you to do in this life? Come on, take the time now and don't wait until then. You ought to be living a life of holiness and godliness now, verse 12, waiting for, or being watchful, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Okay, now just leave that scripture up there for just a second. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Peter writes this as if it's an assumption that everybody knows. That we can hasten the day of the Lord. Now that word hasten, is, it's an interesting word in the Greek. Okay? It's, it starts with a P. It's P-S-E-U-D-O. Okay? Not S-P-E-U-D-O. It's pseudo, not speedo. I just want to make sure that everybody in the house understands that in no point in Scripture does God condone men wearing bikinis. That is not a thing that should be done. I don't care how good you think you look in it. You don't. Put some shorts on, brother, and cover that up, okay? It's... You may think it's funny when only your wife and kids are around, but my wife can attest it's not, okay? It messes people up. Keep your shorts on. It's not funny. Don't go to the beach even when you don't know a bunch of people and laugh. That is not a thing that you should do. Learn from the example of a friend of mine that did that, okay? Not me. In the Greek, probably stayed on that a little too long. In the Greek, this word... 
Pseudo means to cause something to happen soon. It's where we get our word soon from. To cause something to happen soon. To hurry something up. Okay, now I want you to look in verse 12 of the New Living Translation. Verse 12 of the New Living Translation. Verse 12 says, Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Hurrying it along. This is the objective of the teaching on the last days. That you would be holy, that you would live godly, and when you do that, you can wait with Jesus And then you can take an action that will actually increase the timing of when He was going to come. Don't be distracted. Don't be discouraged. And in the name of Jesus, don't be divisive. Just wait and keep your eyes focused on Him and the purpose and His purpose. Right back to Matthew 24, verse 13. He who endures to the end shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom of God will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. We can hasten. We can hurry up the day of the Lord when we desire to seek and to save that which was lost the way that he did when we desire to serve people and share the gospel when we take up the anointing and the unction to have the heart of God in human form today being obedient unto God even by death on a cross if that has to be we can hasten the day of God by sharing the gospel with everybody and anybody that will listen We can hasten it. Amen. Three people. Glory to God. You are excited about your ability to be involved in the kingdom of God. You can, I'm going to preach a little more. You can hurry up. God coming back. You can be a part of his will and a part of his plan. You don't have to be a spectator. You can be a participator. You don't have to be a fan. You can be a follower. You can get engaged in the operation of God's kingdom. You can accomplish his will for your life. You don't have to wait until the next life. We can hasten the day of the Lord and people can receive salvation in the altars of this church. Lives can be changed. Destinies can be redirected. And Jesus can come back and celebrate with his bride. And everybody said, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We have people to serve and a gospel to share. If you guys will come. Don't go to church. On Sunday and watch your neighbor go to hell throughout the week don't come to church on Sunday and not train your babies in the way of the Lord Monday through Saturday listen listen don't come to church on Sunday and not discipline yourself Monday through Saturday it's more than a one day experience it's not a one day Jesus kind of experience and it's not a one day Sunday kind of experience it's a begin today and live it out every day kind of experience 
We, listen, we are in the last days. How do you know? I don't. But I'm going to live like we are. Because somebody is going to be right. And I don't want to be wondering when I could have been watchful. I want Jesus to come back. <laughs> There's this scene that it's, I think I this every time. And this guy's talking about his grandmother or his aunt or something who's a believer. And they're making fun of it. But he said that she would say to him all the time, is that what you want to do when Jesus is coming back? That's what you want to be doing when Jesus is coming back? Whatever it was that he was doing, wherever he was or whoever he was with, is that what you want to be doing when Jesus is coming back? Listen, here's the reality is, there's going to be two servants in a field. We're going to be with a group of people. Maybe we'll be asleep and the other side of the world will be awake or whatever. But the reality is, is that we're going to be on earth here somebody and the trump of the Lord is going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to rise and then the bride of Christ is going to meet him in the air and we can either go with him or we can get left and then we can suffer the wrath but God's will for you is not to suffer wrath that's why he poured it out on his son. God's will for you is not to suffer wrath. God's will for you is to surrender to his son because he already suffered it. Luke 21, 19. By your patience. And when we're closing this thing, by your patience, possess your soul. Verse 36. Watch. Watch. Don't just wait. Well, pastor, those who wait upon the Lord. Yeah, he's wanting you to wait for him to show you the next thing to do. Because you can't just burn out all the time. But Jesus said, watch, therefore, and pray always. Verse 36, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. See, what matters most to God is ultimately going to matter most to us. The only question that we have to answer is does it matter most to us right now? Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in this place and that there would be nobody within the sound of my voice listening online or that comes across this message later. That wouldn't be confident in who they are in you. See, in a, in a room full of people like we're in right now, and, and I just want to ask the church to begin to pray because I have one objective today, and that objective is that if there's anybody in here who is not in right relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have been before, but you know you're not today. Maybe you never have been. Maybe you've never heard a message like this and the Holy Spirit's stirring in you today. If there's anybody in here who's not in right relationship with Jesus, my prayer, my heart, is that right now, today, you would give Him your life back. That you would confess Him as Lord. That you would receive His salvation. 
that you would begin to discover his purpose. With every head bowed and every eye closed, the reality is, according to Luke chapter 19, there will be some who will say, I will not have him reign over me. The only problem with that is that you will be wrong because he will reign over you. So my encouragement today is that you let him reign over you now. Anybody within the sound of my voice, anybody in the room, pastor, I'm just not sure where I stand with Jesus. But I want to give him my life. I want to. I want to be sure. If I'm talking to you, and you would be willing to just let us pray with you in a minute. We're not going to embarrass you. Not going to call you up in front of everybody. We're just going to pray with you as a church. If you would like to be included in that prayer because you say, Pastor, I'm not sure and I don't want to leave here unsure. I want to make sure. I want to give my life to Jesus right now today. I want to give my life back to Jesus right now today. If I'm talking to you, would you just raise your hand right where you are and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sure. I just want to give Jesus my life. I want to know that he has me. Anybody else? Thank you. Church, one more request this morning. And we preach this often because I truly believe it's our calling. If maybe you are confident in your relationship with Jesus, but you know that you need to increase some discipline in your life that would help you be more mindful of discipling others. If I'm talking to you and you would just like to make that right today, you say, Pastor, that's me. There's just a few things. Man, I could just make a few adjustments and really make a lot of difference. Now, finally, if you would commit to taking part, not just assuming that somebody else is going to do it, but commit in your heart truly to taking part in hastening Jesus' return, by doing everything that you can to serve people and share the gospel. I want you to raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to do that. I've done it before, but I hadn't been mindful of it. I didn't even do a good job of it this week, but I want to do a better job of it next week. I want to do a better job of it this afternoon, tomorrow morning in the office. Pastor, that's me. Now, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, I want you to remember if you kind of lulled yourself to sleep because I let you close your eyes and talk too long, listen with all of your heart right now. Don't leave this place not knowing where you stand with Jesus because all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Church, I want you to pray this prayer with me if you raised your hand, even if you didn't. I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Why do I need to pray it out loud? Can't God hear what's in my heart? Yeah, He knows your thoughts before you even have them. But you need to confess, and the enemy needs to hear where you stand in this life. So out loud, I want you to pray with all of your heart. Jesus, 
Forgive me of my sin. Save me. Take my life. Help me to ready myself for your return. May I serve you with everything that I have. Take my life. Make it yours. Help me to follow you and to live for you in holiness and godliness before anyone that you put in my path. May I lead people to you in Jesus' name. Come on, can you give him praise right where you're seated? Now, come on, if he's been a good God, can you stand where you are and give him one more praise in his house this morning? If you're thankful for those who raised their hand, we said about seven people raised their hand for salvation to receive.